You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Actually, it's the, it's the lead play in our, in our offense. Yes, our YN or a tight end to open up somewhere between six feet and nine feet. You get an isolation with the, with the linebacker. Tell the tackle to take the defensive end if he's over him. If he's not, to drive down on the first man to his inside. YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. The YN has the linebacker here, he comes all the way around. If you look at this play, what we're trying to get is a seal here, and a seal here, and try to run this play in the alley. What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. I'm joined alongside Tim live in Green Bay. Just back to talk a little Packers tonight. Uh, I'll tell you, we got the about 60 degrees today, going to be 62 tomorrow. It kind of feels like, man, the draft should be tomorrow, right? Like Tim was saying offline, nah, not so fast, my friend. We know winter's still creeping out there, ain't it, Tim? It's going to come back around and, and cup us in the back of the head one more last time. <laughs> you know it without fail. It seems like, too, uh, you know, Green Bay, I remember seeing several videos last couple of years, them getting snow in Lambeau, what seemed like in April and May sometimes, right? I mean, it, it really does linger around up there. But uh, down here in Tennessee, man, we're uh, we're getting there. We're getting there anyway. But good to see everybody in the chat. It's absolutely lit this evening. I know we had a few people comment and go, oh, crap, there's no morning show. I apologize for that. <laughs> but um, we're, there's going to be no morning show tomorrow either. But we should be back for Good Morning Lambeau. Um, the following day, which would obviously be the night that should be Friday. So we'll try to get you guys a morning show out Friday. But hope everybody's doing well out there. Obviously, we got us a, a new member of the coaching staff, which I'm excited to talk about. This one, to me, I, I, I wasn't excited as excited about this hire as I was Campanelli. You know, Campanelli got me fired up. And when you see how good the run defense was, this and that. But we do have someone that, um, you know, has had – uh, a, a lot of experience, really, as we go through his coaching history, and we're and we're talking about, of course, um, Derek Ansley, uh, who was just hired today from the L.A. Chargers, or last night, I should say, late last night, Rob Domofsky broke the news, um, and uh, you know, anytime someone's had experience with a position that's higher than the one you hire them for, um, I think that's a good thing, Tim. You know, it kind of they get a little bit broader perspective. It's kind of like with 
Coach Halfley, I know his numbers weren't great at Boston College, but you being a head coach at a major program like that, you can kind of see everything from the head coaching's perspective, head coach's perspective, and then you get to you know take over as DC with you know with with the Green Bay Packers. I think that that's a really really cool bit of experience. I think that's valuable, don't you, man? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we talked about always oh, Halfley called plays. You know, I, he's been a head coach. So, I mean, I'm not not overly concerned about that. And, um, yeah, I think that that does hold a lot of weight. You know, it's okay once in a while if you make a lateral move or you maybe you, you step back down or wrong later in your career at some point in your career. You know, things happen for a reason. And um, I think it's good to have the experience. And, uh, you know, we're going to see what they're going to do with these young players. It's a, it's a new regime that's forming right now, and uh, I'm all for it. Looks like we got some dogs on that defense for sure. I agree, man. And, and, you know, as we step into the off season here and, you know, who's going to get re-signed? Are we going to dip our toe in free agency? What are we going to do in the draft? You've got kind of this really good baseline set. I think you've got some really good players on this team and you got an opportunity to take a step in the right direction and really kind of solidify what you did last year. It's all going to come down to protecting the ball and taking the ball away, which we talked about last night, right? But Jay with the Super Chat, appreciate you, buddy. I love the profile pic too, by the way, man. That One of my favorite memes going around the old intro web right now is uh, Mr. Kurt Angle and that 1,000-yard that stare. But anyway, he says, missed the pod, uh, missed the last pod, but I think the new linebacker coach will really help bring the best out of Gary and LVN. Great pickup. Go, Pack, go. I think he's going to bring the best out of everyone. You know, obviously he's there to coach a linebackers and with us switching to a 4-3 um, I don't know how much hands-on he'll have with Gary and LVN unless of course one of them make a switch to linebacker which I honestly don't see that happening but still when you've got someone like that on your defensive staff that energy it's it's infectious right like you know you hear people talk uh, mainly coaches talk all the time about energy vampires right and you know the old Vince Lombardi quote uh, you know winning is a habit unfortunately losing is too right so when you get these quote unquote energy vampires where they just you know what I'm talking about, you guys have worked with them, you've hung out with these people, where you you spend two minutes around them and you're like, God, I am exhausted. Like this dude is me being the old stoner that I used to be, we we called it a buzzkill, right? Like it's like a you know, you don't want to smoke with that guy. Trust me, that was the way we always <laughs> talked about it. It's just those things could be a lot worse. I could be a bears fan. <laughs> it's just constantly bringing people down. I don't know how we got them talking about the devil's lettuce on the pod tonight, but anyway, here we are. Oh, we're going to give him some. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, the opposite of that is kind of your campanile. He's going to be that fire on fire, right? And we got us a new hire tonight, or last night, I should say, there with uh, with Ansley. And uh, he kind of brings the same type of flair. It's cool to see everybody's different personality. You know, LaFleur is kind of this tactician, right? He's this, you could tell he's like this mad scientist in the lab, scheming up just one of the best passing games in the entire NFL last year. He definitely comes from more of a an intellect standpoint as opposed to a fired up coach, although you see him get pretty animated from time to time. I think you're going to get the same thing with Halfley. He seems very, very calculated. I think he's very well spoken. You can tell he's got a very high football IQ. And then look at the people he's putting on the staff around him, right? you got the Campanelli who just looks like he's ready to fist fight someone at all times, right? You bring in, you know, big uh, Ogavasi, right, um, the big D-line D coach, or he's going to be the assistant D-line coach, I believe. Rebervich, like I said last night, he already looked like, you know, someone who's leading a, 
uh, a lynch mob through the through the the backwoods of uh, you know whatever Kansas. Just name name some <laughs> random state. Um, and you know, like I said with with uh, Ogavasi, he's just what was he six foot five, three hundred and five pounds. Yeah. Like this. It's going to be hard for any of these defensive players to walk into the walk into the meeting room. Not that they would, and just kind of like I'm going to control the atmosphere in here. No, it ain't going to happen. not with, not with Ogavasi in there. It's going to be like, yeah, I might want to. Like, what'd you say? <laughs> yeah, what would I say here? I love that stuff, man. We always talk about the get off the bus effect, right, Tim? Like yep. when you get off that bus, whether you played high school athletics, college, whatever, semi pro pro. You want to send the biggest, meanest-looking dudes off the bus first. So if anybody's just copping a peek, right, at that bus, uh, what, what's this crew look like? You want them to go, oh, damn, okay, <laughs> right? Yeah, you the send, kicker, kicker's not the first guy off the bus, for sure. Yeah, you send Coach Ogavasi off first. Forget forget the players. Just send send the big boy down, right, <laughs> busting out of that suit, you know, the whole nine yards. But, Jay, we appreciate the uh, super chat, man. Tim, if you'll keep an eye on the chat, mark anything that might be good, um, I'd like to uh, – Kind of, kind of stay plugged in with the chat tonight too. But let's go ahead and get right into the lead. First of all, number one Packer fan re-upped as a YouTube member of the PTA Posse. Appreciate it, buddy. If you guys are guys and gals are interested in that, anyone who is a member of the PTA Posse, you just go to our homepage on YouTube, click join, um, and uh, we'll put you in your name in the hat for drawings moving forward for autograph memorabilia. We're going to be giving away an autograph Jaden Reed rookie card here real soon. We'll probably do that this week. Probably do that this weekend, Tim. We should go ahead and do that. This has been sitting here. Uh, for for a while, had a huge shipment go out for like four different giveaways here recently, but uh, this one's a really cool one, man. It's a, it's an awesome rookie card of Jaden Reed, and it was donated by United Bates. Always appreciate him supporting the stream and awesome. get that one given away. I say we do that this weekend, maybe Saturday or Sunday. We can do that. So cool, uh, yeah. So anybody who's interested in that, like I said, thank you, number one Packer fan. We'll make sure your name is on the wheel, so we can. Uh, we can get your uh, get you an opportunity to win that autograph card. Of course, Eric Sutherland chimes in as always and says it's rigged, right? And I always make sure I rebuttal and say this is the safest, most secure election. I mean, giveaway that uh, has ever happened on the internet. All right, Are you, you sure go. about that? <laughs> all right, let's do this. Let's jump into the new coaching hire. All right, his name is Derek Ansley. All right, you know what? Instead of jumping into the the bow and everything right off the bat. Let's watch a quick video of him. This came from the Chargers website. And I did a little bit of editing. I'll be honest, guys. I tried to cut out the majority of the wordy dirds. All right. But <laughs> there are still some wordy dirds in here. So I apologize for it. We did the best we could. Just pretend you're watching a John Wick movie or something. All right. But here we go. This is your new passing game coordinator, Derek Ansley. Bam. Sorry. Pedal. We dick. Back dick. Zach on me, job. Back. Get up. There it is, Mark. There it is, Mark. There it is, Mark. Let's go. We gotta have a good indie. This set the tone for the day right here. Weaving. Where you going? Right or left? Going to the left. Here we go. Top of the numbers. Straight back. Straight back. Straight back. Straight back. DJ, kick those balls out of the way. Down. Mike. Hey, come on, stop. Come on. That's your motion. Come on, Jop. Come on, Jop. That's your guy. Hey, guy. Hey, all I'm worried about, listen, Mike, is y'all beating his ass. Here we go, we up, we up, man. Hell of an indie. Here we go, we up. We got everything on the menu done. Okay? Now, hydration, okay, okay. You gonna bring it on my head? Listen to me now. Third down, coach calling all this cover one, you're putting it on y'all fing plate. All right, but I'm fing up to the channel. I got a big appetite for that shit. All right, so let's go out there and win these one on ones, know who the fing 
the route runners are and know who the box out guys are. Bring it on, JC. Let's go. Let's get it, man. Hey, it's our day, man. Let's ball. Ball on three. One, two, three. Ball. ball. Hey, I'm going to be real clear now. We, we either got to go take the ball away, take it away, right, or get the out of field, throw it out. That's it. Ain't no, ain't no in between. Take it away or get three and out. Let's get the out of the field. They ain't slowing down number 10 on out in white. Get him some more possessions out there, baby. Let's go, get ready to go. See the quarterback. Drive! Stay up, stay up, stay up. That way play big out there, baby. Trying you. They're trying, trying you out there on the red line, bro. They're not trying you on the red line. They're trying you on the red line. Hey, red line, put red line back here. Put red line back here. Let go. Big climb the ladder though. Hey, run the show out there now, now. Run the show out there. Orchestrate that thing, baby. Just Absolutely. like you do. Just like Absolutely. you do. But do it with some damn violence. I will. Pissed off when you get to the ball now. You showing that all the other team what's going to happen to them too now. Yes, sir. This is audition for everybody else too. Let's yes, make sure we know that. DJ, we got to get the damn ball, man. We, we got to ball Yeah. Yeah, we got to get the ball, man. Mike, ball searching. We got to get the ball, baby. Critical we get one right here now. Good, 10 6. Let's go. Let's go play ball. Hey, man, shake that dust off your face. No, you gotta go punch them all out. out. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm I ain't about felt that. you yet now in, in, in the physicality game. I feel you in the chat in the communication game. You've been good on that. Go put your face on somebody, K9. You gotta get this damn ball back. If we can get these third down, it's a route. Gotcha. We gotta be good on first, second down. I gotcha. gotta get them a third down. And you can club that too. Yeah, I like to see. We teach Mike the club, so you, you know how you like jam this hand? Yeah. You can do that with, go ahead and do that with the outside hand and get out of there. Get out of there. Get out of there. I know this I know what we got. Yeah, I, I do. Know. I just want to see fundamentals and execution. Yeah. All, all the other, you gonna, the, the gang gonna put that in you. Yeah. The energy and all that. I want to see fundamentals. I want to yep. see leverage on the football. Yep. And then what God, after that, that, that God got to show up. God? God got to show up. Oh. After we play with good fundamentals, good leverage, oh, get line of right, then that's what you bring to, that's why you're here. I'm just gonna get you from point A to point B. Then you gotta go make C happen. Make it happen. Line up right there. Yeah. Once you look it over, okay. he get into it. Slide oh, football play. Be smarter than that motherfucker. Yeah. Hey man, they get some goddamn knockback tackle in that run yeah. game now. I gotta get these safeties out. Hey no, nah, they, they they just pushing the pals in there now. We gotta get some cleanup knockback tackle. Hey, when you have safety, all right, first thing they run that thing now. They they blocking us up front pretty decent. And that running back falling forward. Remember clean up tackling college? We gotta get the safety to start cleaning up shit, pushing piles back. Cause sec second and seven is a whole lot different than second and five. Clean up tackle. We gotta get people to the ball now. Clean up tackle. Finish! 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 Here we go. Drive that race to the edge! Race! 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 Get out! You look at the best of this gun near. Change the game, DA. DA, change the game. Let's go. Let's go, man. Make a play. Get the ball. And one turnover is going to flip this whole thing around. Hey, they're looking for a reason to quit now. You got to give them a reason to quit, though. They're looking for a reason. Hey, give them a reason. On they ass. We on they ass all day. On they ass, Bryce, all day. They got to get open. that. You know, Good through. Pick that. Hey! Oh, God! Let's go! Go score! Go score! God damn it! Let's go! 
Let's go, baby. This was a good work day, okay? And that's what exactly it's gonna to take to get this win, a work day and working in the game and working together and working for longer and having the stamina to do it for four or five quarters. That's what it's gonna take. Not a splash play here or there, not a call somewhere here or there. It's gonna take routine plays over the course of a game to get to where you guys want to go. And today was a really good start on top of yesterday. Love it, man. Love it. Love the energy he brings. You're seeing the common thread here, right, Tim? These guys are I mean, they are on fire, dude. What I really like about him, too, is there were some other clips where he's talking about his his bends to the guys and this and that. You can tell he connects with the younger guys really, really well. Um, and, you know, it's like Campanile, just fire on fire. This dude, Ansley, brings a little swag to the table. You could just tell. He's going to connect really, really well, I think, with John and the guys in the DB room. But what do you think, man, about a uh, new passing game coordinator there, uh, Ansley? D A. W-G, dog, <laughs> absolute dog, and I love it, and I know everyone else out there is loving it too. Um, you know, you can tell he's got the technical stuff down too and that he's passionate, um, but it's it's huge. You know, a different coaching style from uh, Coach Williams. You know, he's, uh, you know, Mr. Ansley here is hands-on, and, uh, you know, he's with those DBs out on the field, and I know those guys – last year felt that that energy when they were out there playing so i'm looking forward to him bringing that to the secondary and i think you're spot on clayton i think he's gonna mesh really well with guys like Keyshawn and uh jair and you know that secondary you know val and val and the some of the younger guys so uh looking forward to it man definitely jake shavink in the house says we definitely can't mock up this new coaching staff laughing at the coach. <laughs> yeah. they're gonna be a lot of beep 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 the whole time right um, <laughs> I don't know, man. I Like we talked about last night, I kind of connect with that. Uh, I had my whole life, I had coaches, you know, growing up that were those kind of coaches. They would get in your face. They would they grab you by the face mask. They'd slap you on the back of the helmet. They would, you know what I mean? Yep. They probably couldn't coach today, but, you know, that's a – we'll stay away from that topic. Uh, I'll just say <laughs> I'm going back to a bygone era. Yeah. I'm glad I was coached that way. I'll just leave it at that. But, yeah, I agree, Jake. It's going to be interesting, man, no doubt. Um, let's see here. Uh, Steve asked a good question. Steve 54 said, uh, Hey Clayton, when can the new coaches communicate with the players? You know, <clears throat> the best of my understanding, Steve, if a player's in the building, they can communicate with them. They can have all the communication they want. Now, if a player wants to step away during their quote unquote off season, their downtime, um, I think that they're not required by any stretch of the imagination to do anything extra other than what the CBA says. So if you're asking, hey, can they reach out to them? Can they text with them? Can they talk to them? To the best of my knowledge, they can do that as much as they want, right? And if the player's in the building, you know, that can take place as well to the to to the best of my, like I said, my understanding. Now, can they get on the practice field with them? No. You know, that there's going to be limited practice time, obviously, that's collectively bargained as well. So, um, yeah, hopefully that answers your question. But I like this right here. Uh, thank you for marking that, Tim. Roger Davis says, no splash plays. Fundamental, bruh. I love it, man. You know, like, don't try to do too much. It's really what we talked about with Bill Belichick. And I don't know if you guys seen, but Stephen Belichick got the D.C. job with the Washington Huskies. I am so excited to see that dude 
get out of his dad's shadow because people have no – anyone who doesn't follow the Patriots has no clue that Stephen Belichick's been calling the plays the last two years for the defense, which has just been a phenomenal defense in New England. So I'm excited for him to kind of step out. But it, it this right here, the no-splash plays fundamentals, bro, it goes back to what Belichick said. Just do your job. You don't have to do anything amazing. Just focus on the two or three things that's your responsibility. Just do your job. That's what I thought of when we heard Coach Ansley say that, Roger. So I, I like that quote as well. My favorite quote, though, was do it with some damn violence. I yeah. love that, man. It's like let's be pissed go. off when you come to the ball, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I love it. I Arrive love it. angry. Arrive angry. Jacob Buss in the house says, stuck at work, fellas, but our new D-line hire um, going to make me run through a brick wall head first. Um, I'll tell you all of them, right? You know, I, I know he had responded to uh, the linebacker coach there too, Campanile. Um, I love it, man. I think I think we're putting yeah. together a really, really cool crew. And I think it's going to be exciting regardless of the results. It's just seeing it, – because it, it's not like they just went to one organization said we want him, him, and him, right? We were all right. worried they were going to go to Boston College and just pluck them all out. Well, he goes and gets Ogabasi from Boston College, obviously. All right, you can help with D-line and Rabovich. Then you go over here to the L.A. Chargers, and obviously this dude was a D.C. for Staley. And listen, the numbers weren't great with L.A. That doesn't mean he's not going to be a, a – Great. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Coach, right? Um, you could tell that there was something 
really, really bad wrong with that organization from top to bottom. When we go through Ansley's history here, I think you're going to be pretty impressed, though. He's He has coached at some big-time programs and had some success at the college level, and then obviously climbed the ranks to BDC. But, uh, yeah, I agree, Jacob. Man, they got me fired up too, buddy. Let's see uh, what else we got in here. Antonio Universe says, the DNs will probably still be stand-up guys on a lot of downs, and the D-tackles will play end as well. Um, second OLB gets chopped for another MLB. I don't know what that means. Oh, I guess you're saying, you know, you're, you're probably going to uh, cut down on some of those quote-unquote outside linebackers with your edges because you need to add to the stand-up back, what we call stack backers, right? What I've seen on tape with Boston College, there were multiple times that I noticed in their nickel set, it was the same exact nickel we ran. Middle field close, Nickel two four five essentially. What, what I'm saying by that is their edges were standing up just like ours were. So I think you're not too far off the beaten path there, Antonio. I could see that too, man. I wouldn't be surprised if their hands in the dirt 100% of the time because obviously that's what San Francisco likes to do a lot. And I think this may be molded more towards San Francisco and then Robert Sala's New York Jets team. But yeah, as far as Boston College, which is the most recent tape we've seen of uh, Jeff Halfley's defenses. Um, you know, they were doing it there, which it kind of caught my eye. I did the whole Leo DiCaprio. I went, hey, hey, hey. I've seen that one before. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if that that holds true as as he gets in here to Green Bay. Zane Strong said, how can I buy memberships for five lucky people? Zane, I wish I could tell you, man, but <laughs> I'm the knucklehead that my listeners and viewers were like, all of a sudden I had members and I was going, what, what is going on right now? What are these members? And found out that was something that you could – I had no clue that that was even a thing for YouTube. Once we got monetized, I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. So that's why we just started giving away stuff. So, yes, yeah, and you're asking the wrong person, buddy. And if you think I'm smart enough to tell you uh, – to answer questions like that, you must not watch the show very often because uh, <laughs> I am not <laughs> – Roger Davis in the chat says, if you are if you already discussed, sorry, but did anyone else hear a rumor of the first game – for the pack in Brazil versus the Eagles. I did hear that. And I think I can kind of give you a little bit of a background as to where that rumor got started. Um, and, and, and listen, it may not be a rumor, right, Roger? Like they may uh, very well play week one next year um, against the Eagles in Brazil. I think that would be kind of cool. I know some people don't like that when the Packers have to travel extra and this and that. I love it because the Packers have one of the strongest fan bases internationally. Yep. And anytime, like, you know, going going across the pond there, you know, the year before last or whenever it was, yeah, year before last, um, it's so cool that those fans who have supported our franchise for so long get to experience it in person, you know. Um, so I'm I'm willing to forfeit a game or two. And I know this isn't a home game if they do go play the Eagles. Um, mm-hmm. The reason that rumor got, quote, unquote, started, I guess you could say, is some of the beat reporters are like, man, I hope that's I hope the Packers are the team they pick because all that's announced to the best of my knowledge is the Eagles in week one will play in Brazil. And the Packers are on their roster or on their schedule as an as a home opponent, right? They're gonna play them at home. So I think that's where people started to put it together. I haven't heard anything else. Tim, have you heard anything else on that front, or do you think it's just pretty much a rumor at this point? No, I'm more of the same. Um, that pretty much sums it up. And, I mean, there's a few other teams that are eligible uh, for that type of a matchup too. So we'll see. I think it's just kind of deductive reasoning right now, and it could be true. But um, I don't think anyone's willing to, you know, go out on a limb and say it's a done deal yet. You know, we'll know when we know. But, hey, you're right. We're, you know, we have fans globally. And uh, I think any exposure they get uh, to this beautiful football team that we have here in Green Bay 
um, it's a blessing, you know, and uh, yeah, the, you know, going to the UK was cool. And Hey, I say, bring it on. Let's go to Brazil. Yeah, absolutely. I think it would be awesome for the fans. There's no doubt about that, man. So uh, let's see Zane strong, buddy. You were, uh, you're too calm, my man. He just, he did a super chat, huge super chat two fifty dollars but wow. we appreciate that. And he just put GPG, man, go pack go. Zane, you're awesome, buddy. I know you've been in here for a long time. You're one of the loyal listeners, loyal viewers. And, uh, we appreciate that, man. Um, I'm not good at this type of stuff, but just I, I want to make sure you know. Thank you so much, man. It's, we don't take it lightly. We appreciate. Zane Strong it. came up in here like huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, that's absolutely awesome, though. We appreciate it, buddy. And and what we're doing is kind of taking that and and uh, making sure that we're covering expenses, but also turning it back into memorabilia stuff like that. So that'll that'll get another nice piece of autographed memorabilia going out to someone too. So thank you, Zane. We appreciate you, buddy. Um, all right, let's do this. Let's talk about Derek Ansley real quick. Let's kind of go into detail, Tim, if that's all right with you. So Rob Domoski tweeted out 20 hours ago, probably roughly 22 hours ago now, the Packers have the last major piece to the new defensive staff now in place. Former Chargers D.C. Derek Ansley um, will be the next or will be the new pass game coordinator uh, per a source. There will likely be a few quality control or assistant position coaches added, but all key positions are field it might have been within that thread that I seen something else about another hire. If anyone in the chat knows of any other hires that took place as far as those lower level quality control coaches, let me know. I may have dreamed it last night, to be honest with you. We went out and ate Mexican last night. And anytime I eat Mexican, man, I might as well get drunk because I'm telling you, I, I am the rest of the night. Everything's just fog of war, Tim. I don't know if you're the same way. When you go, I, you know how it is, man. They bring you three baskets of chips, two bowls of salsa before the food even hits the table. And I'm over like, can I get a check? I'm hurting. <laughs> so anyway, Derek Ansley, um, here's, here's from his Wikipedia page. All right. You're going to be cracking Ansley. up over here, Clayton. I'm sorry, dude. I, I'm out of control. Wash man. your hands, wash your butt, man. That's it. That's, that's all. <laughs> That is some good advice when you when you're when you're uh, arriving and leaving from a Mexican restaurant. We'll just say that, right? So it gets pretty wild in there, especially uh, especially in the month of May, man. There's nothing better, I'm telling you, than going to a Mexican a, a good quality, ran right Mexican restaurant on Cinco de Mayo. Oh my god, oh, yeah. it's it's like it's it's almost up there with the Fourth of July for me as favorite holidays. Just seeing their passion for their culture and everything. And the I'm going there with a sombrero. So can I can I go to the back and cook? Like I just want to hang out with you guys today. <laughs> <laughs> but um, all right, Derek Ansley. This is from Wikipedia. Just a quick little brief background on him. Derek Ansley was born December 11th, 1981. Um, so that would make him what 42 years old. I'm guessing. I think that's right. 43, somewhere around there. I'm bad with math. Anyway, he's one year older than me. Don't ask me. I'm worth. There you go. He's an American football coach from and former player who is currently the defensive pass game coordinator for the Green Bay Packers in the National Football League. I like that team. He was previously the defensive coordinator at Tennessee and the Los Angeles Chargers. He played safety at Troy from 2001 through 2004 before starting his coaching career at Huntington. Hunting done a Division three school in 05. So with his playing career, Ansley played high school football at Tallahassee High School, where he was an All-State honorable mention in 1998 and an All-State uh, recipient in 1999. He played college football at Troy, where he started 40 consecutive games and had 19 interceptions in his career. He is tied for second most interceptions in Troy history. Ansley is a member of the Phi Beta, Beta Sigma 
fraternity. All right, so there's just a quick little rundown of him. Let's talk about his coaching history here. This is really cool. I think this is – I was impressed with this, Tim. I'm going to drop the ticker down for just a second. So he started as a coach in Huntingdon um, from 2005 to 2009. He was the defensive backs coach. He goes to Alabama in 2010 and 2011 as the graduate assistant. He then went to Tennessee – um, in 2012 as the defensive backs coach. Then he goes to Kentucky from 2013 to 2015. I don't remember him being there because um, I'm not that plugged into the coaching staffs in college, but that's pretty cool that he was the defensive backs coach at Kentucky from 20, uh, 2013 to 2015. He went back to Alabama from 2016 to 2017 um, as defensive backs coach. Then he makes the jump to the Oakland Raiders in, in uh, 2018 as the defensive backs coach. Then he goes to Tennessee, right? I'm, I'm assuming that's the Tennessee Vols because it doesn't say Tennessee Titans, right? Um, from 2019 to 2020 as the defensive coordinator and defensive backs coach there. Then he goes to the L.A. Chargers from 2021 to 2022 as defensive backs coach, and then they promoted from within him to defensive coordinator last year, okay? And then obviously the Packers picked him up this year. So what you see is this – this there was no setbacks, right, Tim? It was just a steady increase in roles throughout his entire coaching career. Huntington, then he goes to Alabama as a graduate assistant, then he goes to Tennessee as defensive backs coach, then Kentucky as defensive backs coach. Alabama was a big, big improvement there, right? Jumping from a, a program like Tennessee and Kentucky. Well, at the time, Tennessee, who was pretty bad in 2012, if I remember correctly. Kentucky, obviously, always bad. I'm a Kentucky fan. I could say that. Um, then he jumps to Alabama. That's a big increase. Then he goes to the NFL, then back to Tennessee as D.C., and then comes to the L.A. Chargers defensive backs coach and then gets that, like I said, promotion as D.C. So uh, just steady improvement. Another thing, two career highlights and awards, um, 2011. So where was he in 2011? He was at Alabama as a graduate assistant. They were the BCS national champion that year. And then in 2017, he went back to Bama as a defensive backs coach, and they were the college football playoff national champion, if I'm reading that correctly, the CFP national champion in 2017. So I know most of it's in college, Tim, but this dude, uh, he's been around some winners, and he's been around you know, Nick Saban that – I mean, who else better to learn from, especially on the defensive side of the ball with his red two and everything that Nick Saban learned from Bill Belichick and them being close friends and studying each other and passing coaches back and forth from college to the pros. Um, he's He's been around some great coaches, no doubt, man, but pretty cool uh, history there, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, been in the NFL for a while here, you know, so that's uh, good to see. And uh, we see the connection with the players. Um, and that's really what, you know, He's there to do right, you know. Results driven. Uh, Matt Lafleur talked about it. If you're not, if you're not executing, you're not producing. You're not. There's no room for you here. And uh, you know, coaches like this help us get uh, players over that hump and into the next level, finishing plays. And you know, we saw a lot of that last year with our defense, right? You know, just not finishing plays. And it's like, you know, we have a different mindset, certain level of intensity, you know, in all phases of the game, but especially on this defense and especially in this secondary. Um, you know, I love it. We talked about, uh, you know, no splash plays. Let's play fundamentally sound ball. I mean, these are good things. This the, A new regime is here. Change changes on the horizon. This is what fans have been talking about. So um, this is exciting. And um, I'm, I'm just happy. I think this is going to be another hire where we're really going to look back on and enjoy. 
definitely. Peter Stone with the chat says, hey, Clayton and Tim, are we doing another mock draft tonight? I love it, man. I was I was a little worried about doing a mock last night because I'm like, ah, it's a little early. People get bored with that stuff. I've had more people message me on Twitter and everything else like, hey, man, you should do more mock drafts. <laughs> so we're not we're probably not going to do one tonight, Peter, but we will do one move, uh, more moving forward as we get closer to the draft because, honestly, you could do one about every two or three days if you go rapid yep. fire like that and include the chat. Because the 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 mock draft the 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 draft board is constantly changing right and everything's evolving. Um, yep. I'll pull, I might pull up the thirty third team horizontal board before we get off here tonight. We may do that instead of a mock draft if we have time. Because I want to show you guys how you can organize it by specific positions. You can remove positions at the click of a button off of their horizontal board. So you can go like, all right, we're really keying in on this position, this position, this position. You can remove everything else and see how the board falls grade wise. Yeah. Maybe we can do one too and uh, not, not disregard trades. Maybe we'll just free for all and any proposed trades will ask the chat and see what the heck happens. Right. That'll be a two and a half hour podcast (laughs) about it. Cause I'm that guy going, yeah, I'm always bargaining. I'll even go seek a trade. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, uh, Paul Robertson in the chat said, uh, Zane just bought Clayton a meal at a Mexican restaurant. Well, half a meal for Clayton. What's that mean, man? <laughs> Do that. What the hell's going on out here? I just lost a starred one you had, and I really wanted to hit on it. Dang <laughs> I hit the button. My bad, man. Um, Chris in the chat says, I've seen 80-degree mention, and now Clayton talking Mexican. I might have to head to Puerto Vallarta. I don't know where that is. Vallarta? Vallarta? That's in Mexico, is it? I believe. Don't. <laughs> I've never been to Mexico, man. I need to go to. I need to put that on the list. I've heard good and bad things. I hear that landscape down there is kind of bad right now. I got a lot of gang stuff going on, you know. So, um, but other I'm than sure that, it all depends where you are, though, too, right? Hell, that goes for this country, right? I mean, right? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, we need to we need to plan a trip to Mexico. I know this, man. I. I'm Mandy has to drag me out of the house kicking and screaming to get me to go anywhere fun. You know, I'm just the most boring human being in the world as she refers to the stick in the mud. Um, but like, you know, I surprised her with that cruise last year. We go on that cruise, bro. I didn't want to leave. I was hitting them islands. Oh my God, bro. I mean, it was just, it was absolutely awesome getting down there. We were closer to South America than we were the States. And I was like, you know what? I don't just keep going South. I'm good with it. <laughs> We had Wi-Fi on the ship. We were doing podcasts live from the ship. It was all right. We were oh, that's fun. cool. Yeah, it was a good time for sure. But, yeah, appreciate it, Chris. Good to see you in here tonight, buddy. Let's see uh, what else we got on Derek Ansley here. Um, you know, like I said, the numbers aren't great when it comes to, like, what the Chargers did last year. Obviously, anytime the head coach gets fired and he's a defensive-minded coach, you know, there's going to be some negative numbers attached to it. But one thing I did notice that kind of stood out to me, Tim, if you put up their defensive grades, their individual defensive grades, according to PFF for the L.A. Chargers defense, notice safety Alohi Gilman at an 86.1. Now, I know there's not many people in here that could tell me who Alohi Gilman is, right? To me, that says a lot. Something had to change for it to click for Alohi Gilman. Now, is there a chance it was a flash in the pan? Absolutely. But we pulled up his PFF grades when we were walking through free agency, like a, a little free agency preview. And what we noticed about him was like, man, he had two mediocre years and then just boom, he blew up. Well, look who his new DC was, right? It was Ansley. Now, Ansley was his DB coach the year before, if I understood correctly, if I remember looking at the coaching history correct there. So it, the fact that he took over his DC and Alohi Gilman kind of blows up, 
I don't know, man. A couple things here. Maybe he gets the most out of Darnell Savage, right? That could definitely be the case. Maybe if, if they do bring Savage back or whatever safety we bring in, whether we we draft my boy Newbin or we go with everyone else's favorite Kenshins or or whoever they may bring in at safety or they go get a Lohi Gilman. Maybe this guy, maybe Ansley can help pull that out of him being the passing game coordinator, right? So um, the other one, too, there, Asante Samuel Jr., which everybody expected him to be good coming out of the draft. He had a pretty good year there as well. So you had two DBs that were basically in the top four highest-graded players on that defense. And, uh, you know, obviously uh, with Ansley having that D, uh, that that uh, defensive back background, I think he probably had a lot to do with that. So uh, pretty yeah. cool stuff there. Getting cool. results, right? We just talked about it, results-driven business. Absolutely. I didn't realize Khalil Mack had such a good year too, Tim. It seemed like he fell off there a few years, but he he looked like he was back, right? Yeah, for sure. All right. So just wanted to kind of point that out real quick. So as we kind of wrap up there with the coaching changes, here is the new ghetto board that I created, right, until the Packers update there. Ghetto board. (laughs) None of this font is the same. Look at at how the font is all different. (laughs) I'm just patching it together as we go. So you got an update. Yeah, you see up in the upper right, passing game coordinator on defense, Derek Ansley, obviously a new hire. So of the the main cogs in this coaching staff right now, you've got what one, two, three, four, four that are brand new. To the best of my knowledge, Justin Hood hasn't been replaced yet. He did get the old, but anyway, he's there. It is good, good stuff, Tim. Uh, so. He's gone, and obviously uh, Wendell Davis is returning. The last I heard, I haven't heard they've canned him yet. Obviously, Jason Rebervich, they were keeping around. They just kind of switched him over to defensive line, and it sounds like Vince Ogabasi is going to be assistant defensive line coach, so he's going to be working hand-in-hand with Rebervich. With Rebervich being the quote-unquote pass rush specialist the last few years, I think he's probably going to key more in on the edge, and big boy Vince Ogabasi probably going to help with the interior defensive line. I love that. Like, Get as many hands in there to help as possible, Tim, when someone's struggling, right? And we pointed out against the run last year, they really struggled stopping the run. The Packers did, right? And, you know, took a a slight step back in passing defense as well. But, you know, rather than have one guy go, all right, you coach the defensive line, how about getting two guys in there, two sets of eyes on it, right? I think that's going to help. And then, of course, we pointed out that you bring in linebackers coach slash run game coordinator Anthony Campanelli. Um, from Miami. Miami had one of the best run defenses in the entire National Football League last year, which we pointed out they had the least amount of explosive plays, which are running are running explosive plays, which are running plays that gain 12 yards or more uh, on, you know, on those individual plays. They had the least amount, I think with 20 was the number. So you're trying to sure up the run defense there. You put an extra hand in there. Last year it was just kind of Jerry Montgomery working with the D-line, and then, of course, you had the pass rush specialist, Jason Reverich. Now I kind of feel like you got both of those guys working in unison on what will probably be a four-man front in your base defense with them. It's pretty much confirmed now. Spoon got it confirmed. Jason Wildy got it confirmed. We are switching to a 4-3 front, which essentially means we're going from the 34 jam, which was three down linemen, right, typically within the tackles, and then you had your two wide nines. We're now going to be going to a four-man front where as opposed to having five on the line of scrimmage, you're going to have four. Some people hear that and they think, man, won't the run defense take a hit there because you got less people on the line of scrimmage? It's why I was rolling my eyes last year and and, and kept getting frustrated when people were talking about, you got to get more people on the line of scrimmage to play the run. No, you don't. That's not how it works. Like if if you're too aggressive up front like that, it, one of two things are going to happen. Yeah, you're either going to get them for a loss 
or they're going to house that thing on you because everyone is out of their their kind of their run gap responsibilities. Everyone's being overly aggressive. So you can definitely be too aggressive when it comes to the run defense. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see this 4-3 defense come together because like I told you guys last night, uh, every, ever since I started diving into studying the Packers and understanding the schematics and trying to understand what the coaches are actually seeing on film, what, you know, taking your eye off the ball, what are they trying to accomplish on defense? They've always been a 34 front. I'm really, really, really excited about for the first time ever studying in depth a 4-3 defense. So, um, again, you got Ryan Downer returning as defensive backs coach. I believe he had a little bit of coaching history with with uh, Halfley from the Cleveland days, if I understood correctly. I may be getting him mixed up with Greg Williams, but one of those two guys, obviously Greg Williams is gone now, so it might have been Ryan Downer that had that that tie. You got him in. And then, of course, like I said, Wendell Davis returning, and we'll wait and see who's going to replace Justin Hood. But, Tim, I'm liking the way this coaching staff's coming together, man. Jeff Halfley, the mad scientist up there. Got the big boy Vince Ogabasi with the assistant defensive line title there. You got Derek Ansley, Mr. Energy. We just played his video as a passing game coordinator on defense. Um, you've got Ryan Downard returning as DB coach. Obviously, Matt LaFleur thought highly of him. New linebacker coach, run game coordinator, Anthony Campanelli. Um, like I said, great run defense in Miami. Defensive line coach was your pass rush specialist in Jason Rebervich, one of the up-and-coming uh, stars as far as uh, young coaches go, and then Wendell Davis returning, man. I'm feeling good about it, Tim. I'm feeling really good about the direction they're going, dude. Yeah, this puts everything in perspective. I mean, total shift in, in culture um, on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, you watch this intensity and stuff spill over into special teams and, and into our offense as well. I mean, that can be contagious when you see, um, you know, it's no secret the defense has been, you know, kind of the reason why it seems like we we couldn't really get over the hump, you know, right. especially in playoff football. So, um, you know, when you change that culture on that side of the ball, I mean, that's going to make, you know, Jay Money and the boys on offense just go to work that much harder uh, on their end. So um, I'm looking forward to complimentary football in uh, 2024 for sure. That's going to be huge to the situational aspect is what's going to be absolutely like. You, you, you've got to be able to take advantage of what the offense is doing good, and the offense has got to be able to take advantage of what your defense is doing good. You've got to play that complementary football. The first half of the season last year, the defense played really, really well. The offense was cheeks. The second half of the season, the offense played really well, and the defense was cheeks up until, you know, the little playoff run they had there, right? So, um, yeah, I think, I think that situational complementary top football is going to be absolutely important for sure. Um, let's see what we got here in the chat. Let me drop that down again. That's your new – that's how the, the defensive side of the coaching staff is shaking up as it sits right now. Um, let's see. Chris in the chat says, did you hear about Miles Watt as assistant wide receiver coach? That might have been the one I heard, Tim. I remember hearing someone. Paul so, Brettel, yeah. Did Paul Brettel break it? Good stuff, man. Good yep. Um, so Miles Watt is going to be the assistant wide receiver coach. That's good information. There. Did he used to play? Did he play in Green Bay for a short time? Am I thinking right, or did he not? I don't know why, but that name sounds. It does right. I feel like he did? Maybe he was on a practice squad or something. I, I'm not sure, but uh, if anybody knows that in the chat, uh, keep an eye on it, Tim, and we'll mark it. So uh, look at Jake. Jake trying to push us over here. He says, "Mock draft time." I'm definitely going to pull up the 33rd team's horizontal board. I want to show you guys it because it's put together really nice. Number one Packer fans say, Clay, do you think that Green Bay could be ahead of the fray in the defensive shift in the NFL? Um, it, it's kind of a broad question, you know, number one Packer fan. Like, defense, 
you guys are not going to like this answer, but defense is pretty simple. You're you're defending space is what you're doing, right? On offense, you're attacking space, and defense, you're, you're defending space. We make it sound as if this defense is so much more different than this defense. I, I always think back to the old Wade Phillips video. He was in a press conference. Those of you who don't know, Wade Phillips, one of the one of the greatest defensive coaches of all time, in my opinion. I thought he was just a solid, solid coach. They asked him one time about them switching from a 34 to a 4-3, and he said, you want to know the difference in it? And he literally stood up on the stage where they were doing the press conference, and he went, one's like this, and the other's like this. <laughs> that was it. Like, There's nothing else different. And it's so true. Like, There's advantages to playing out of a three- and four-point stance, but there's also advantages out of standing up. You're kind of being more deceptive standing up, more bodies moving around, making the quarterback read a little bit more. But it's my understanding, listening to people like Coach Han, you can play the run better from a three-point stance, and you get more burst. Hearing Mark Towser talk about it, you know, when someone's standing up, you kind of feel a little bit better, like, all right, he's already high. I can get lower than him. But when someone's in a three-point stance, they're starting from a lower position, and they're like he said, it's like they're being shot out of a cannon at you. It, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but it sounded like what Tauscher was kind of hinting at is he would rather have to block a stand-up 34 outside linebacker than someone who was in the three-point stance. So um, I think there may be a little bit of that, a little bit of difference there as far as, you know, uh, the advantage and disadvantages of that. But as far as the defenses, number one Packer fan, like the majority of the people are playing, everyone in the league is playing more zone than they're playing man. All right, and then it goes to what kind of zone are they playing? Well, you, there's just a handful of zone coverages you can play. You can play a traditional cover two zone. You can play a Tampa two zone. You can play a cover four, right? You can play a cover six or a quarter, quarter, half or a half quarter, quarter. You can play a cover three, and then you've got a cover three buzz as opposed to a cover three drop. You've got your country quarter spot drops, which is essentially you're just covering area, not players. Then you've got your zone match principles. And what I'm getting at is everything I just said to you guys, I feel really confident saying every single defense in the entire National Football League has that stuff in their playbook. Now the question is how often are they going to go to each one of those things, right? Like we pointed out the numbers and how they're they're not a whole lot different from each other other than like the Atlanta Falcons playing 40% man coverage and the Green Bay Packers playing 23% man coverage still playing more zone than man in both both clubhouses, right? But one is playing a significantly more amount of man than the other, if that makes sense. So, um, you know, I don't I don't know if it's necessarily we're ahead of the fray in a defensive shift. The boring answer, and I really do think it's the most accurate answer, and it comes from the Pat Kerwin school of thought, when the game's on the line, think play or not play, all right? And – the better team typically wins. Yes, you can scheme yourself to more victories. There's no doubt about it. The greatest coaches are able to do that and take advantages, making making teams play left-handed. That's what I loved about the Belichick approach. It's still doing. I think you're going to see it with Steven out in Washington is they basically go, you know what? What do they like to do most? You like to do that? We're taking that away from you. You may beat us another way, but you're not going to beat us with the way that you're most comfortably beating. Oh, my God, there it is. <laughs> Perfect timing. So hit me that conspiracy video just one time. I got to see that absolute tank of a human, man. He's definitely been working on his back. There's no doubt about it, man. When I'm in my 70s, I hope I got shoulders like this cat.
<laughs> Belichick's a unit, man. He's a unit. And it's funny, too, seeing people on Twitter go, oh, man, he's fat and out of shape. I'm like, well, I'd like to see you with your shirt off. I, show me. I want to see your shirtless picture when you're 72 or whatever it is, right? Right. You darn sure don't want to see mine. That'll get clipped. Somebody will clip that and put it on Twitter. Me saying, I want to see your shirtless pic when you're 72. <laughs> you watch it's snap. Good dumb deal. <laughs> anyway, hopefully that that kind of answered your question there, Packer fan. I know it's not, and, and listen, I'm not saying I'm right. I just, I'm, I'm very boring in that regard. You've seen everything up to this point. And, and the people that I study is like Greg Cosell. Greg Cosell cracked me up. The most animated I've ever seen Greg Cosell get on his podcast, YouTube channel, what have you, was people last year were saying, the Chiefs figured finally figured out how to beat cover four. They Someone finally cracked it. And Greg Cosell was like, Everybody knows how to beat cover four. It's just when you key in on beating cover four with a with a dagger approach, right, or, or whatever, you know, walking that that number two receiver out with an underneath dig or choice route central with Jason Kelsey, it's going to make it more difficult for cover four to cover that. It's not like they just unearthed this, this ancient technology that was lost, like, oh, this is how you beat cover four. Everyone knows how to beat each defense. It's just the timing in which you call it how you disguise it, and most importantly, like Pat Kerwin said, think player, not play. Do you have the better players on your team, right? That's yeah. that's the big thing, too. So, um, there you go. Paul Robertson in the chat said, I'd love to see more shirtless picks. AFAM, probably. <laughs> so, quote Nate. Who? <laughs> <laughs> All right. What else do we got here? We had a couple other things I wanted to hit on real quick. The Belichick picture just took us off the rails <laughs> sorry it's all my fault sorry <laughs> right. pff put this stuff out earlier i thought this was really cool um actually you know what let's save it for tomorrow and let's look at this horizontal board real quick okay let's do that let's save that for tomorrow that way it's already keyed up i'm going to share the screen real quick and we're going to look at the 33rd team's horizontal board this is really cool stuff they're adding prospects every you know i don't know about every day but they're slowly getting their database built up so this isn't finished but I just want you guys to kind of see what I'm talking about. And I get geeked out over this stuff, man. I, I love horizontal boards this time of year. I'm going to zoom in so you guys can see it a little bit better here. Tim, let me know when you think it's zoomed in enough. And you can, is that is that good enough there, man? That pretty good. Uh, yeah, that looks pretty good. Okay, cool. So obviously the safeties are off screen. I wish they'd have took the time to fix that. You got to scroll over to see the entire board. But what I wanted to point out is like, first of all, let's just look at the horizontal board. You got four players in that seven plus category. Okay. So at the very top, these four players are better than everyone else in the, in the draft, right? Then it goes down to 6.9 on the grade. And you've got two players there with uh, a Dunzi at wide receiver and then Latham. Okay. So then you go down to the next tier and it's 6.8. You got Drake May, Brock Bowers at tight end. You got tackle Fashanu, tackle Fuaga. Then you got edge defender Turner, edge defender Leitu. Um, you've got uh, Kool Aid McKinstry at corner, Nate Wiggins at corner. Then it goes down to 6.7, right, with uh, Jaden Daniels at quarterback, wide receivers. You got Coleman from FSU. You got Thomas Jr. from LSU. You got your second best tight end in the draft, just one tier lower than Brock Bowers. That's Sanders out of Texas. You've got Gotten at tackle um, in the 6.7, uh, uh, whatever tier there, I guess you could say. Um, he's a tackle for Oklahoma. Then you go to uh, Fata uh, Fontanu, I think is how you say it, Fontana maybe, uh, guard slash center. He's actually graded out, according to the 33rd team, higher than Powers Johnson at Oregon. Okay, so there you're seeing your first two interior offensive line, Tim, according to the 33rd team coming in at the 6.7 spot. And what that means is, like, 
you know, look, look at all the players that are graded out higher than them. So when we're talking about play, make believe here for just a second, you're in the draft room, right? You're in the war room. You're running a draft. You're a GM. You're Brian Gutekinds right now. And let's say that all of those players in that, let's say that three of the players in that seven plus uh, uh, tier at the very top, let's say Caleb Williams is gone. Harrison Jr. is gone and neighbors is gone. Right. But Joe Alt is there. All right. And let's say you're picking and the next available talent isn't until the 6.8 tier right here. Right. Well, it's going to be really, really hard. Like, let's say, what are we saying we need? Safety, right? This is a good example. Look at Newbin down here, right? On the far right here. Look at Newbin and just how far down he is. They've got Newbin graded higher than Kinchins. Okay. But they're in the same tier, which means make your pick. Which is your best best scheme fit? Essentially, is what you would do there. I you know, know what Jay, your pick is, right? Yeah, well, my mine is Newbin. I think Newbin's the better player. But like Jake has pointed out, and rightfully so, Kinchins is probably a better a better scheme fit. Now, the right. thing about Newbin, though, something else you got to take into consideration. We know how Goody loves his athletics profile. Newbin is six foot two, if I remember correctly. And Kenshin's is like right around six foot. Jake, correct me in the chat, and Tim, if you'll keep an eye on it, if uh, if I'm wrong there. But I'm pretty sure Newbin is like two inches taller, so that's going to come into effect. But let's say we need a safety, right, guys? And let's say we're picking at 25, and both Newbin and Kenshin's are on the board, but so is Joe Walt somehow, some way. It's going to be hard to pass up on Joe Walt. That's a position of tier one importance, right? A premier position, left tackle, right? That could be your left tackle of the future. Even though safety is such a big need, and I hear people complaining and not complaining, but disagreeing, like we shouldn't worry about tackle, we're good at tackle. It's going to be really hard for Goody to pass up on him. I'll tell you someone else. In this scenario, if this is what Goody's board looks like, and there's some people see this and they think, uh, well, that I, I completely disagree with the rankings there. That's cool. It, that's not the point of the exercise. The point of the exercise, if your board looked like this, imagine Latham being there to 6.9, but you know you need a safety. That's what we mean by reaching by need. If you draft Newbin in that situation or Kenshin's in that situation, you're reaching for a lesser talent for a need on your roster. And that's what really gets teams in trouble. That's what they mean by they really reach for that guy. It's not that that player isn't valuable. It's just there's other people on the board that are more valuable than, than them at the current pick, right? So um, I, I just think that it's important to see a horizontal board in that regard. Now, obviously – we're not looking to take a quarterback, right, Tim? So let's knock that off. Let's take the quarterbacks off the board, okay? So we're going to take the quarterbacks off the board. Do you think we need – I'd say we're probably in the running for a running back, don't you think, Tim? Yeah, over a quarterback for sure. Yeah, yeah. so let's let's put running back. I don't think we need wide receivers, although there, there's a good chance. I, I would be surprised if Goody doesn't take a wide receiver if one falls in the right spot. Let's leave wide receiver off right now. We need one tight end. We named that as a, as a need, didn't we? Let's add tight end to the board. This is what I'm talking about. It's a really cool setup, 33rd team has. Obviously, you're always in the look in, in, you know, on the look, on the prowl for a tackle, right? We know we need interior offensive line. Let's add them on. Defensive tackle, I think it's safe to say we could uh, potentially take a defensive tackle, seeing how bad the run defense was. The run grades were horrible last year, playing the run on defensive line. Edge defender, I want to say no, we don't need one, but we know Kingsley and Igbare is going to be starting the season on the pup list or on the IR because of the ACL and how late of the season that the tear happened, right? So we got to include edge. You know we're in the hunt for linebackers. We pointed out that you could make a case for them trying to add three to four cornerbacks in this draft this year too, right? So we got to add corners, and obviously safety is a no-brainer. 
So when you look at it, we've got quarterbacks and wide receivers off the board. Now look at the board, Tim. Look at how this falls. This is why it's important for quarterbacks to be taken so early. I want every quarterback in this freaking draft off the board before we pick at 25. We know it ain't going to happen, but I want it to. I want someone to fall in love with Sam Hartman's flowing hair and take him before the 25th pick <laughs> because I want as many opportunity. I want an op. I want the ultimate opportunity to take as many of these guys as possible. Like I want, I want the board to look as close to this as possible when we pick. So with that being said, if we added the wide receivers back on the board, right. And we just tacked it on there. Now they're on the far right. We'll take them back off in a second. Look at how many people are probably going to take a wide receiver before we pick at 25. There's, there's a really good chance three will be gone. There's a slight chance five could be gone. That may that means that five of these other positions that we need could climb right up our board and fall right in our lap, right? So we took wide receiver off again. Let's do quarterback real quick. If we looked at quarterback, there's hands down, there's going to be three, at least three quarterbacks are going to be taken before we pick at 25. That's what we're hoping for. We're actually hoping that maybe Penix Jr. and McCarthy, someone sneaks up there and grabs one of those guys before 25, although I, I probably I wouldn't bank on that. So anyway, this is what your board would look like as far as what we think by need. So where is the depth at? This is what the horizontal board really shows you. Like you can see these clusters of players that are graded out similarly too. So when we pick at 25, if somehow, some way, that cluster of edge defenders is still there, we'll wait. Maybe we might have one fall in our lap later in the draft, right? But where is it thin at? You know, obviously the darker the color, the better the – the better the player, right? Or as they said on Friday, the darker the better, the darker the berry, the sweeter the juice. You guys ever right. seen? You seen Friday, ain't you, Tim? Man, it's the blacker the berry, the sweeter the juice. Oh, you're right, it is. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, she's been a mo- <laughs> there you go. I've watched that movie five hundred times. I grew up on Friday. My God, I love that. absolutely I love Ice Cube too. Love what he stands for. That dude don't take any crap off anybody. But anyway, um, so. I don't even know where the hell we were at. What are we doing here, Tim? I'm dizzy. So (laughs) as you get later in the draft here, where is the weak points? Where's the thin spots at, right? Interior offensive line, that kind of sticks out to me. Like that's slim pickings, right? So if you're going to take one and get one at really good value, you might have to take him at 25, right? But again, it's going to come down to best player available. In a perfect scenario, when we're picking at 25, all of the players we got to choose from, there's no one over the 6.7 tier. I say perfect scenario. That's not the perfect scenario. It's It would make the easiest decision because you would look at 6.7 if your board lined up like this and go, okay, what do we really need here? Because we're not really drafting by need now because all these players are pretty much in the same tier of talent. Does that make sense, man? Yep, absolutely. So That's in that why case, these boards are so important, like you said. I mean, it helps you see, the, see things, you know? Definitely, man. And I, I love, like I said, the fact that you can see the depth too and, wh- and where the depth sits. That's this. It's just absolutely huge. So if you just glanced at this and we added everything back in, right, let's just go all offense. Let's uh, try to put it back in order. All right. Everything all together here. Okay. So if you looked at it, where is it top heavy at? To me, it's top heavy at quarterback. It's top heavy at wide receiver. It's top heavy at tackle, right? And that first, you know, first half, the first 15 picks or so, you're probably going to see quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tackles fly off the board. So it might be something that the tackles are already getting slim pickings. You take someone like a Fuaga or a Fashanu or a Gotten and then come back around and try to get your safety in the second round. That's what I found myself doing with all my mock drafts. I found myself going offensive line, defensive tackle, and or corner with that 25th pick 
and then coming back in the second round and getting safety filled up. And then the third round, getting your interior offensive lineman here, as you see, you know, there's, there's Barton down there from Duke. You got Powers Johnson and, uh, and uh, Fontana one tier higher than him. You got puny. So like, that's kind of how that's how the mock draft kept unfolding for me. If that makes sense. So, just yep. want to point that out because I think it's important. Anything else you want to look at here, Tim? Before we move on from that, man. No, this is good. Good perspective. All right, good deal, man. There was something else I was going to show you guys on the thirty third team. I can't remember what it was. Let me just glance back real quick. There was something I was thinking. I don't think it was draft wise. I can't remember. It's left me. I'm sure I'll remember it. We'll, when I remember it tomorrow, we'll we'll do it on uh on the evening show tomorrow night for sure. So with that being said, though, just wanted to kind of take a glance at the horizontal board and explain when you guys hear me talk about horizontal boards, that's what I'm talking about right there. Okay. It, and there's nothing wrong with doing a vertical board. I like to do both. I like to have, I like to have a laminated sheet on my desk during the draft. That's the vertical board. Everybody listed from the best prospect to the worst in just one vertical column with all their information, positions, grades, all that stuff. And then I like to have on the wall behind me, an old school manual, right in, wipe it off, grease board with the as the horizontal board. So when we go to make our pick, you can really kind of decompress for a second, look at the horizontal board and go, okay, where's where's the talent sitting right now? Where was there a run at? Where's there about to be a run on a position? Where do we need to make our pick right now in the current tier of talent? Do we want to reach down a spot? Oh, crap. Here's a top-tier quarterback, according to our grades, that fell right in our lap. Is quarterback valuable enough that you go ahead and pull the trigger on that, let him sit for three years, and if he unseats Jordan Love, you might have the next Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, whoever, right? Or do you just say, no, let's take quarterbacks off the board? I know the fans would say, take the quarterbacks off the board, right? (laughs) But I just don't – I would like to see that too. But, again, I am not going to be shocked if Goody – Surprise everyone that takes a quarterback in the and you know in the first three rounds. I would not be shocked. I hope it doesn't happen, but I wouldn't be shocked because you never know what's going to happen as far as quarterbacks falling, right? So yeah, I like the idea of the laminated sheet. That's a uh, that's a good look. It's like your your play chart for the uh, for the draft. Uh, right. Makes things easier to follow. It's probably probably better than like chicken scratch like that. Hey, that's my draft board right now. Whatever works, man. There's nothing wrong with that, dude. Um, yeah, and and it's funny. My rough drafts look like that. There, yeah. it's there's papers. Laying. Mandy comes up and looks at my desk. He goes, "You're stressing me out." She just walks <laughs> off. <laughs> I got stuff laying everywhere. But uh, the kid eighty eight says, "Clayton, how many bones will it cost us to have a peek at your big board?" That sounded kind of dirty there, man. Um, so uh, <laughs> now <laughs> that, that's perfect time for that. that's what she said there. But uh, um, as far as my board, it would be I can show you you know, kind of what it looks like right now. And it's very, very early. It's pointless though, uh, Kid88, because it's completely unfinished. I've got a ton of information that's still got to go in. Some of them have an overall grade right now, but even that overall grade is going to change dramatically over the next month, month and a half, right? But this is essentially it. It's kind of hard to see. I know you'll probably have to get close to the screen, but you'll see the far right column. Um, This is how my board sits. This is the vertical board. All right. So this is the vertical board that I'll have laminated on the desk as we're going through the draft. Um, obviously the horizontal board would be these grades stretched out horizontally, just like we showed you with a little bit of color coding involved as well. But um, that's my vertical board as it sits right now. Now notice there's some players under you. You're looking at it going like Jeremiah Trotter Jr. Doesn't even have a grade yet. I'm not finished with him yet. 
Okay. Right. So, and you can see all the different numbers that are going into the average grade. The lower the number, the better the prospect. People are going, how did you come up with that? It's, it has evolved over since 2010 is when I started doing this. And this is the system that works for me. You guys do it, whatever, however it works best for you. You know, like you'll notice that they had those tiers, like their top tier being the 33rd team and most NFL teams will have just a handful of people in that top tier. And, and they've got less, way less tiers than me. My tiers run in increments of five points. So like to put that into perspective, if you look to the far right at the top of the screen here in the H column, Marvin Harrison Jr. is hands down my best prospect in this draft. He's sitting at a 2.3. All right. Caleb Williams is number two at a 3.7. So in that first tier, it would be zero to five or zero to 4.9. Once you crack five, you're in tier two now as it sits right now. By the time it's finished, I can promise you the top tier will actually be negative numbers. Okay. So just to kind of give you an example here, though, of how it sits currently. So tier two would start with Brock Bowers at 5.3, and then it would go to Drake May at 6.7. Then it would go to Odunzi, um, probably butchering his name, at 6.7. And then that's the end of that tier because anything 9.9 or less would be in that current tier. Once you crack 10, now from 10 to 10.4, right, or I'm sorry, 10 to 14.9 is the next tier. So I do it in increments of five points. So you're seeing some of these players that were in the same tier. I've got them broken down into multiple tiers. So it's probably a little bit of overkill, but that's just how my mind fires. I would rather have too much information than not enough information. It's just kind of how I'm really, really nitpicking with this stuff. So um, that's how it sits right now, though. So just to kind of give you a quick glance on my board in the top tier right now, hands down, it's Marvin Harrison Jr., your best prospect. Then it's Caleb Williams, quarterback out of, uh, out of USC. And then in tier two, you've got Joe Walt, tackle out of Notre Dame, Brock Bowers, tight end out of Georgia, Drake May, quarterback out of North Carolina. Then it moves on to tier three. Now, here's the other thing. What we always mention, too, and I do not – I don't adjust my board um, to this fact. It's just you've got the mental note of Greg Cosell saying every April there's two different drafts. There's the NFL draft and there's the quarterback draft. And what he means by that is way more value is put on quarterbacks than other prospects. So some people add that little outlier in and they, they adjust it to where the quarterbacks jump up a tier. I like to leave it at the normal grade and just know teams are going to be willing to climb down one tier to get a quarterback. Basically what that means is if you looked at this board right here, Caleb Williams would be one here, one tier higher than Marvin Harrison jr. If you take it in effect, Drake may would be one tier higher, which would mean he's in the same tier as Marvin Harrison jr. Right? So with that modifier, if you, if you finalize the board and added that modifier in, which I don't like to do, I just like to keep that mental note. Essentially, what you've got is Caleb Williams, Tier 1, then Marvin Harrison Jr., Joe Alt. I'm sorry, no, Marvin Harrison Jr., and Drake May in Tier 2. And then it would go on to Tier 3, starting with Joe Alt. So, hopefully I explain it. I don't know. Sometimes I confuse myself, but that's, uh, yeah. That's how we do it. Um, what did Steve say here? How well did you do last year matching, matching the Gates? Um, he says, Steve Rogers says, Clayton, how well did you do last year matching Gates? Draft picks. I don't know what you mean by Gates draft Go picks. Goody's probably. Oh, Goody's draft picks. Yeah. We did really well. And I'm not one to ask. Jake is the one. Jake Shavink in the chat is the one that you want to ask as far as what fits Goody's profile the most. And I do know that 
they don't use RAS, but RAS by Math Bomb, um, there's like a certain cutoff. I want to say it's like 8.5 or 8.6 RAS score. The Packers in the last decade or whatever crazy it is have never drafted a player in the first round with less RAS score than that 8.5, 8.6 threshold, whatever it is. So I definitely take that into consideration when trying to guess Goody's picks. But last year we did a, mock, a couple of mock draft exercises, and I, I was doing the pod by myself at the time. We probably need to do that this year, Tim, because it was really cool. I went through and did multiple mock drafts, and the purpose was I'm going to do three mock drafts using PFF. I'm going to use do three mock drafts using the consensus big board database. I'm going to do three mock drafts using the draft network, right? And basically, I took best player available for what I kind of felt like matched our needs without reaching out of the current tier of talent. And the player that popped up the most, and this was the whole point of the exercises afterwards, to go back and go, okay, which player got drafted the most? Guess who the player was that got drafted the most in the first round for me last year doing that exercise? It was Lucas Van Ness. Bang, they took Lucas Van Ness. Guess who the one was in the second? There was only one player that I drafted multiple times in the second round that that, uh, it kept popping up, and that was Luke Musgrave. Guess who they drafted in the second round? Luke Musgrave. So it matched up really well, but I don't want to give you the false Im- in impression here, Steve, that it was like, ha-ha, I guess Goody's picks. That's not the point. It's who's the player that's going to be on the board most likely that fits their need, and it's probably in the current top tier of talent. That's kind of what it comes down to. Now, some of the players that I've been really, really high on with my board and I got laughed about, laughed at about it, Kyle Hamilton was one. Obviously, he's been a stud. Christian Gonzalez was one. He was a stud until he got hurt, of course. Um, there were several other players that I was really, really big on. Now, what's my biggest whiff right now? I really don't think it's a whiff, but Bryce Young last year. Bryce Young was a player that I was like, that's that's hands down the best prospect. Now, he goes to a team that played like absolute cheeks, everyone, including the, the professionals. I just remember what I was going to do with the 33rd team, and I'll do it here in just a second. Um, everyone who's the professionals are saying, look, no one could win with that offense last year. It was so disorganized, unorganized, and so just it was so out of whack that, you know, he's Bryce Young is still that guy. It's just it's going to take some putting the right pieces around him with the right coaching staff, the right scheme, all that good stuff. But um, the the quarterback that I had picked, handpicked as my favorite quarterback in the draft, though, was, uh, was Stroud. And – a listener emailed me. I remember this specifically. I was so proud of this exercise. I never do this either. I don't grade. I don't grade the players. Like I, I'm not the person that likes to go in and watch the tape and go, "This guy's better than that guy. That guy's better than that guy." I try to trust people whose opinions I respect and just go, "Let them do the let them do the dirty work." And I'm just going to use them as my lead scouts. But they asked me to specifically do this to take all the top quarterbacks in the draft and grade them out. And I went through one by one by one. And what I came away with was Bryce Young's the best quarterback, but hands down the best thrower in that draft was C.J. Stroud. And he came out and lit it up. And I was just like, hey, all right, I actually spotted that. That's kind of cool because that's not me, man. I, I I don't watch the tape and go, that player's really good. Here's what he does great technique-wise. I'm more of the broader picture. What are they trying to do schematically? Does that player fit that role? You know, I, yeah, I, I would – I'm boring. I'm the boring fan that says let's take multiple swings as opposed to 
Um, let's go get that superstar. And that's why I disagreed with Pat Kerwin forever. When I'd hear him say, think player, not play. I'm like, this old geezer. This is back when I was a stupid fan thinking I knew everything. And sooner or later, uh, a, a little bit later on, I was like, I mean, damn, he's right, man. These these great teams, who won the Super Bowl last year? Somebody remind me. Yep. Had the best quarterback, the best tight end, one of the best centers in the game, right? And the, and the Kansas City Chiefs are right back in it again. Like, it's hard to argue with that. Tell me the last time a team won the Super Bowl and they didn't have just this superstar leading the way. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's – you think of Tom Brady dominating, right? Absolutely awesome. The GOAT, he's the, the greatest to ever do it, play quarterback. Um, Aaron Rodgers, the year we won it. I know it was, what, 13 years ago now. Same thing, though. That dude was on fire. You couldn't stop Aaron Rodgers back then, you know? Yep. So uh, there you go. Um, let me show you this real quick. This is what I was going to show you, Tim, um, you guys here in the chat. I, th- I think it's worth mentioning for sure. If you'll drop that comment down for me, Tim, I appreciate it, buddy. Um, the reason I like the 33rd team, this is it right here. This is why it's called the 33rd team. When this was first announced that they were putting this together, I think it was Tannenbaum, Mike Tannenbaum, that was actually putting it together. I got so freaking excited. This is why I take their information very, very, very seriously. These are the people. Here's our, here are the experts that compile this information, right? Their opinions, their information. They're the reason they have the most realistic draft board set up from a sense of how it operates because – their staff is full of former coaches, contributors, front office people, and players. So here's who's on their quote-unquote staff. These coaches contribute to the 33rd team's website. Chuck Bogano, former NFL head coach. Jay Gruden, former NFL head coach, RG3 troll at the moment. Um, Marvin Lewis, Super Bowl champion coach. Right? I think he just got a job as some kind of uh, assistant or something somewhere. as like a senior advisor. Bill Raiders, Bar- isn't it? The Raiders? Was it the Raiders? That sound, I think you're right. I think it was I a think. Raider. Uh, Bill Parcells, Hall of Fame coach. You know, people were going, yeah, yeah, 33rd team don't know anything. I'm like, okay, gotcha. They they got Bill Parcells giving them input on how to build their website and what's important analytics and what isn't. It's like, shut up. Get away from me, dude. That's like the whole Michael Lombardi slander. It's like the dude's brash. He gets on my nerves. I get it. But the people that just pretend like he doesn't know what he's talking about, I'm like, that dude is studied under Bill freaking Walsh, Al Davis, Bill Belichick. He's been a general manager in the league, and someone's going to try to convince me that they know more than him. <laughs> what an idiot. Get away from here. <laughs> Wade Phillips, Super Bowl champion coach. Mike Martz, Super Bowl champion head coach. Leslie Frazier, former NFL head coach. I think he's back in the league now some kind of uh, assistant or something. Uh, Dave Wanstead, Super Bowl champion coach. Greg Roman, former NFL offensive coordinator, and uh, Eric Mangini, Super Bowl champion coach. Okay, that's the coaches on staff. Contributors, Dean Blandino. How about getting an angle from the officials, right? 33rd team uh, direct messaged me a video one time just in case I wanted to share it. It was about the Packers and a blown call that they'd missed, and it was Dean Blandino breaking it down. you got your stats nerd, your analytics nerd, Andy Benbois, right, head of football analysis, Charles Davis, Right here from Tennessee, he's the NFL TV analyst. People go, what do TV analysts know? He's a former player, right? He did some scouting as well. And these guys are in production meetings every single week with coaches, picking their brains on what they're actually trying to do on the field. It's important. Trey Wingo, award-winning sportscaster. My boy, the GOAT, the civilian GOAT, Greg Cosell, NFL analyst, been with NFL Films since the 70s. 
Dr. Jess Flynn, so you get a sports medicine person. Ari Miroff is the NFL insider for him. Derek Klassen, another uh, a film analyst here. Uh, Jade McCarthy, award-winning broadcaster. Then Vic Carucci, a senior writer. He actually helped launch um, the uh, uh, NFL, serious NFL radio way back in the day. Front office, how about this? Mike Tannenbaugh, former NFL executive. Joe Banner, former NFL executive. Bill Polian, Hall of Fame team, Hall of Fame team executive. Rick Spielman, award-winning NFL executive, and Jeff Diamond, award-winning NFL executive. So you've got a Hall of Fame front office guy, a, a Hall of Fame coach, multiple Super Bowl winning coaches, and then what about the players' side? Amon Ross, St. Brown, we all know how good he is, unfortunately, with Detroit, right? Fred Warner, the best inside linebacker in the entire National Football League right now. Rondé Barber, Hall of Fame cornerback. NFL MVP quarterback, Rich Gannon. Wayne Trebet, one of the toughest uh, wide receivers to go across the middle, played for the Jets back in the day. Uh, EQ Equinemia St. Brown, former Packers, now Chicago Bears wide receiver. Sorry that his team sucks, but that's what it is. Lavernius Coles. Pro Bowl wide receiver for the Jets actually played alongside Wayne Corbett back in the day, if I remember correctly. Chase Daniel, former NFL quarterback, might be a current one. Samori uh, Roll, all-pro cornerback. And then Ross Tucker, love Ross Tucker and his podcast, former NFL offensive lineman. He played with like six or seven teams. So I just wanted to mention that real quick. Like, guys, choose wisely who you listen to. And it doesn't mean people can't have opinions. But when you hear knuckleheads putting people down who are Hall of Fame coaches, Hall of Fame GMs, and they may not be specifically putting them down, but they're putting down the the website and the analytics space for where you can get information from, but their ego is too much in the way to just slow down and go, maybe I'm not as smart as I think I am. I'm a freaking knucklehead. i got so much to learn. And these are former Hall of Fame executives and coaches and players that are willing to go, hey, look, look at it from this angle. That's how you really learn. So there thank you for coming to my ted talk i didn't mean to do all that but i just want to point out that's why i like the 33rd team i think they've got great great information so there you go with that being said let's get out of here man this is uh yeah i like what you said there number one packer fan says when you want to learn football listen to football people amen man amen so tim you got anything buddy um yeah things could be a lot worse i could be a bears fan very well said, John. Very well said. All right, no show in the morning, guys. I got a, I got a busy day again tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow night. But if everything goes as planned, you guys pray for me. Then Friday, bang, we're going to hit it with Good Morning Lambo. Then a Friday, maybe not a Friday evening show because I got to go out to dinner with the wife. But um, Friday morning, we should be back to Good Morning Lambo. And then Saturday, two shows that day. Sunday, two shows that day. And Probably next week we'll we'll have multiple days where we got two shows. But really appreciate y'all hanging out with us. This was a lot of fun. More um, mock drafts coming. Don't worry. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Let me. I see you mark some chats. Let me hit them real quick. We'll go through it real quick. Chris said you hear about Miles White. We hit that one right. Yeah. Um, reported by Paul Brettel. Got it. Paul Robertson said an undrafted free agent out of Louisiana Tech in 2013. White caught nine passes for 66 yards for the Packers in 2013. So it was a Packers. Looky there. Yep. And seven passes for 88 yards and his lone touchdown with the Giants in 2015. Good stuff, Paul. Appreciate you looking that up. Uh, Jake Shavink says, uh, Kinchins is 5'11". Is that right? Yeah, 5'11", five, five 206. 206. Newton is six foot one. Is that what that is? Am I reading that right? 6'1", 208. Probably. Okay, so he's he's so he's just under 6'2". Got it. So he was over a stretch when they were – 
yeah, he's he's trying to get on his tippy toes when they were measuring out that six foot two. It's funny though, you watch the program, you look at some of the programs, Tim, and it's like this guy in this program six foot three, the next one he's six foot tall. It's like what happened? Like how did that? How did that even happen? But thanks, Jake. Appreciate those that. numbers all the time. They cook the books. Oh yeah, absolutely. So that's a lot closer than than I was thinking there, right? So not a huge size difference for sure. Carly said, didn't we think our O-line was stacked at the beginning of the season but then had to dig deep due to injuries? I'd be thrilled to get uh, left tackle early and a few other O-line as well. You can never have too many offensive linemen. That's a good point, Carly. Like, how frustrated were we, Tim, at the right guard position? Like, all year long, right? So, it's going to be important, man. Um, Got to get enough hog mollies. And, and on top of that, you're also kind of swinging to find that left tackle of the future in case Rasheed Walker kind of – turns back into a pumpkin, right? He may may be the may be the Cinderella, right? He may be the real deal. We'll talk about that tomorrow because we got some screen grabs from PFF. But yeah, I think it's a good point, Carly, for sure. So special shout out, number one Packer fan. Appreciate you becoming a member, buddy. Thank you so much. Jay, thank you for the super chat, buddy. You're awesome. And Zane Strong, thank you so much, man. It's such a such a kind donation, buddy. We really, really appreciate you doing that, man. We don't take it lightly. So with that being said, we're out of here. Appreciate y'all hanging out with us. For those of you listening on the pod, Thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Go Pack Go. The power sweep. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. Yes, a YN or a tight end to open up somewhere between six feet and nine feet. Get an isolation with the with the linebacker. Tell the tackle to take the defensive end if he's over him. If he's not, to drive down on the first man to his inside. YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker in, he comes all the way around. If you look at this play, what we're trying to get is a seal here, and a seal here, and try to run this play in the alley.